Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, brought to you by Mattress Direct, your local sleep specialist. Each week, we take you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexis Zotos with KMOV. This month marks 30 years in business for Schlafly Brewery, a pretty impressive milestone. They opened the taproom on Locust in 1991. It was the first new brew pub since Prohibition, and many had their doubts about a plan to open a craft brewery in a town well-known for Anheuser-Busch. Fran Cardona, the CEO of Schlafly, joined us this week in our final episode of 2021 to talk about what it means to be in the craft business for three decades. When the brewery started, she was working alongside the Schlafly's to distribute the new craft brew to liquor stores and grocery store shelves. Not an easy feat. She continued in the beer business, a business that, let's be honest, has long been dominated by men. And in 2019, she was tapped to lead Schlafly into the future. In a city filled with dozens and dozens of fantastic breweries, many of which we've had on this podcast, Fran shares how Schlafly continues to stand out and grow. And that growth means a new location. This week, they'll open their first Illinois brew pub in Highland, adding to their locations in downtown St. Louis, Maplewood, and historic St. Charles. So let's meet Fran. Get the best price on brand name mattresses at Mattress Direct. You'll get the guaranteed lowest price and the non-commissioned sleep specialists will make sure you get the right mattress for the way you get to sleep. You'll sleep better knowing you got the best price on the right mattress when you shop local at St. Louis Mattress Direct. Well, friend, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, talk about a huge milestone, 30 years. Does it feel like 30 years? Um, I think the answer is yes and no. Um, Who would have thought back when we started? None of us in this craft beer journey in St. Louis thought. Well, we were barely thinking about next month, you know. Um, And yet, there's a lot of history. And a lot has happened and a lot has changed. And uh, a lot of happy times through in this place. Absolutely. Walk me back 30 years ago to that, what I imagine felt like a pretty crazy idea to start a new brewery, a craft brewery here in St. Louis, the home of AB. What were those discussions like? You know, most people thought, you know, anyone considering this was kind of crazy because, partly because of Anheuser-Busch. Craft beer was happening on the East Coast and the West Coast. It was something we were seeing out there, mm-hmm. but it it wasn't even a twinkle in anybody's eyes. And uh, Tom Schlafly went to Europe and had this really good beer and said, you know, why don't we have this at home? We should have this at home. And I don't think it was his intention to say the other guy's stuff was bad. He was just saying this is something that some people would like. I think uh, we definitely thought it was a very small, tiny market. Mm -hmm. We never dreamed the market would be as big as it is today. At least I didn't. Um, I heard Tom or David or both of them in the last few weeks repeating a story that that everyone Tom knew (laughs) 
kept telling him not to do this. <laughs> I think I heard the most recent version I heard was from David Schlafly when when Tom's family and friends realized he was buying this burned out hull of a building on Locust and 21st Street. They were like, Tom, really? You know, you don't do this. <laughs> and if you look at it now, I mean, it's incredible. The, you know, the new soccer stadium is rising up right next to you guys. We're here during lunchtime. It's packed downstairs to see where things have come. Yeah. Is there, are there just sort of moments you look around and think, wow, Yes, there are moments like that for sure. Just the the acceptance that's happened over the years. We really saw it as a tiny little incremental piece of the business back in the day. And uh, I mean, of course, we were dreamers. I think Tom and Dan Kotman both, you know, had big ideas and big dreams, but it was really tiny back then. It was such, we spent most of, and I say we because I was involved from day one as the distributor Mm -hmm. from the beginning as um, part of the Schlafly team as the distributor partner back then, Signature Beer. And we spent most of our time explaining to people what microbrewery beer is. Right. You know, what were those explanations back then? How did you describe it to people? My favorite description was it's a little tiny brewery, first of all. Mm -hmm. And people would say, well, is your beer like Budweiser? And we'd say, well, not exactly. Mm -hmm. And my favorite analogy was at the time called St. Louis Bread Co. And I'd say, you know, you can go to the grocery store and buy a loaf of Wonder Bread Mm -hmm. and the quality is very good and it's perfectly fine for what it is but then you can go to the bread co and get a loaf of sourdough that at the time was was baked in small batches in the location where you were buying it Mm -hmm. and it's like or any bakery and the ingredients are hand selected and they're in small batches and you can see the guy who's making the loaf back there and so that's kind of the difference and, and beer's the same way. That's what we were doing. We were making one batch at a time, 15 barrels at a time. You know, you could see the guy who was making it. You could talk to the and guy. that was probably something most beer drinkers had never gotten to experience before, That's was right. to actually see the person brewing their beer. Yes. And it's, and people, because of Anheuser-Busch, and we give credit to Anheuser-Busch today for creating a community that already adored beer. Mm-hmm and adored the company that made the beer. And so that was a very eventually friendly market to walk into because people were fascinated with beer. Mm-hmm. And this is very much a beer town. <laughs> very much a beer town. And if you could get someone to try a pale ale or an oat stout or a Hefeweizen and talk to them about why and how it's different, some people might say better, but different's okay than sure. Bud or Bud Light or whatever they were drinking people would come back and try it again and it became an option it was never a replacement you know and never really could be for most people um but it's you know it's it's like eating a piece of fresh sourdough compared to a piece of wonder bread you mentioned some of the those early beers what was the first beer that's Schlafly Bird. Schlafly Pale Ale, I believe, was the very first. I mean, there were lots of beers made at the beginning because um, they were selling beer only on premise here right. in the tap room. Um, Schlafly Pale Ale, I think, was the first because that's the style that 
that Tom was most interested in. That was the style he enjoyed when he was over in England. Mm-hmm. It's an English pale. Um, and so, but I, I know when we came out on draft and um, in package to the rest of the community, it was those three that came out, pale ale, oatmeal stout, and Hefeweizen. And you said you were kind of right here at the beginning because you were just part of the distribution. What was that like? And how did you go about helping get this new brewery into the store shelves? Well, we started Signature Beer in January of 1990. So almost two years before Schlafly opened up and we were aware they were, because it took a while for them to, I think they started trying to, this process in 89 and we opened uh, Signature Beer in 1990 and it was a huge education process. There were no craft beers available to drink in St. Louis, with the exception of Anchor Steam, okay. which was from San Francisco. That was the one that you could find on some shelves in St. Louis. Um, so it was a matter of going around and talking to uh, specialty liquor stores, schnooks and Deerbergs and Shop and Save, and explaining this category that is coming. And... Uh, and creating a space for it. And so we started at Signature Beer by bringing in some real small craft breweries Mm -hmm. from other parts of the Midwest and eventually launched Pete's Wicked Ale in St. Louis maybe a year or two before Schlafly went. uh, It was after Schlafly opened the tap room, but before Schlafly started distributing Mm -hmm. out to the public. So that was really its one grocery store at a time, one bar at a time saying, hey, taste this beer. We'd like to, you know, offer it to your consumers. And then slowly consumers who had been at the tap room Mm -hmm. start going to their favorite watering holes and saying, hey, "Hey." you should get Schlafly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's so amazing now when you walk into Schnucks, for example, or any of our local liquor stores, just to see the selection of craft beer. Did you ever imagine it would grow to where the craft beer industry in St. Louis is now? I did not. In fact, I can remember being at the Craft Brewers Conference in Atlanta in 1998, I think it was, and Kim Jordan, who's one of the founders of New Belgium, the people who make Fat Tire mm-hmm. um, and Voodoo, is it Voodoo Ranger they make mm-hmm. now? They're big brand. Um, and I remember her saying, at the time, the market across the country was at about three percent of the total beer market and where is it at now do you know off the top it's of you? 13 14 15. which is still We've really t- small it's still really small it's, but to which is crazy us, crazy <laughs> she said we're never gonna hit 10 percent, but if we try really hard we might hit five at least that's what i remember she said mm-hmm. um and we we were so grateful. And then in St. Louis, bear in mind, whatever the national number was, we were half of that. Sure. So for me, the big moment was back in, oh, maybe 06 or 07, the local breweries got together. I think there were seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And we had the first Heritage Beer Festival in conjunction with, I think it was mostly led by Schlafly and Anheuser-Busch, but there were hundreds and hundreds of people and a, and 40 or 50 different kinds of locally brewed craft beer. Wow. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, who would have ever thought? And of course today, 
there's 70, I think, in the St. Louis area, 70 small breweries. And even more important than that, there's consumers who understand and appreciate craft beer to a much greater level than they Which ever did Which is why before. it's always still amazing to me that that percentage of the craft beer drinker is still pretty small in comparison. Yeah. Um, I think especially when you live in a town like St. Louis and just you sort of feel like you're surrounded by craft beer and good beer at all times. Yeah. Yeah. There, it's, there's so much choice. There's so many options. And the, one of the things that um, our market research people, the Brewers Association does a lot of research for, for the whole industry. And um, my favorite, my favorite line, Bart Watson, who's the head economist, he says, craft beer drinkers are promiscuous okay. and he doesn't mean they sleep around actually but he they drink whatever mm. they drink craft beer they appreciate wine they drink you know domestic beer they drink imported beer they drink whiskey that mm. you seltzers you know that it is that today's craft beer drinker and this is probably true for most of our competition mm. They drink a little bit of everything. Does that make it harder then? Yeah, it makes it harder. (laughs) (laughs) To try to grab their attention back to the beer? I think it does. um, But I think the solution is to focus on what we do and what we believe in and what we stand for and have for the last 30 years and just continue to put out a high quality product. The, the most damage that can be done for all of us is when any of us put something out that doesn't meet the proper mm. quality standard. That hurts everybody. And we're, we're right now sitting in this room surrounded by all these different uh, beers you guys have brewed over the years. First off, I always have to ask, do you have a favorite? I mean, is there one you're always going that you lean yeah, towards? Yeah, I hate that question. It's like asking <laughs> which of my sons I love more. You know, <laughs> depends on who's acting right, up right yeah, now. It depends, depends on who's in front of me right this second. Um, you know, I do love pale ale. Um, our Scotch ale is one of my favorites, uh, but I have to say. I appreciate every one of our beers. Sure. I it's some of them aren't beers I would drink often or very much of, um, but they're all so well made and well balanced. And I think that is something that Schlafly has stood for for a long time. I I can I can honestly say nobody makes a better beer than we do. A lot of people make a beer that's just as good as ours. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have a really high quality standard and the the people who work here and have worked here over 30 years have always cared deeply and passionately about the end product um, and about the quality of it and making sure it's good and about the company too. So. And, you know, you have those three beers you mentioned that were here from the get-go. They're still here now. They're still popular. Obviously, you've branched out and done a number of different beers over the years. But there's still, like, this tried and trueness. Schlafly like. Pale is still our number one seller. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Yeah. How do you grow as a business, as a brewery, without, I guess, losing what made you who you are from the beginning? Yeah, that's, that's a challenge. Um, I think one of the things about turning 30 is it puts us at a bit of a crossroads Mm -hmm. where uh, there isn't anyone else like us 
in town. Nobody has 30 years of experience making beer in St. Louis other than Schlafly. So we have a unique vantage point, a unique responsibility, and a unique opportunity for where we go from here. And I think what's important is to stay true to our values and to continue to grow in a multitude of ways. Mm. You know, I like to tell people, yes, one of our primary objectives is is growth. And some of that is financial. Some of that has to do with beer volume. But what's way more important to me is, are we growing stronger? Mm. Are we growing in terms of quality? Are we growing in terms of efficiency? Are we learning? Are we treating our people even better? Are, are we as individuals growing as managers and workers? There's so many measurements of growth that we have the opportunity because we're 30 years old, because we've gotten through some of the hard stuff that I know is coming for the people that aren't 30 because mm-hmm. it's there, that we have an opportunity to to mature, you know, kind of like humans do. Sure. Um, so. Some of that growth, of course, is you're just about to open a brand new tap room yes. in Highland, Illinois. Um, why there? Why branch into Illinois? Well, it's, it was a little serendipitous. The folks at Highland um, reached out to David Schlafly, um, and there are some Schlafly connections to Highland. And they Highland is very actively redeveloping their downtown square area. So they reached out and said, you know, if we created a unique space for you, would it make sense to be here. And we had just expanded to St. Charles. Charles. And what we found is when we opened a pub in St. Charles, the rest of our sales, there was a significant lift in sales. Yeah. Through other restaurants and other grocery stores and that sort of thing that, so the business supports. Is that because of just new exposure? I believe it is. I just believe people, in my experience, when people taste beer, when you generate trial and you say, here, taste this beer, or you somebody comes to one of your pubs and they drink your beer, a percentage of those people are going to go out and buy it again somewhere else. And so our pubs become a very important experiential marketing mm-hmm. tool for us. So, um, yeah, we saw that lift and it made sense to us to begin to think about that is one of the ways that we can compete in a unique way against some of the other newer, smaller, younger, hipper guys Mm -hmm. um, who have other kinds of opportunities, we can create more of these experiences for customers um, and maybe reach a a little bit, maybe branch out and expand our market a little bit. Highland, Illinois is new to us because it's a much smaller community, much more rural. Um, Oh, it's a delightful, very welcoming town. Mm -hmm. And the new pub... Um, which opens next week, um, and we have the grand opening on the 26th, is right on the town square. And there's a great uh, patio and city park immediately adjacent. So there'll be lots of opportunity for community engagement, which is really where we think we have some strong opportunities to build in that market. Well, and as we were talking just a bit earlier before starting the podcast, you know, there is just this need for more craft breweries in the Illinois area. They were kind of a lot slower than the St. Louis area to really see this boom. 
are you hearing from people when you're out in Highland or in the Metro East in general who say, hey, yes, please bring some more craft beer over the river? It's been an overwhelmingly positive response. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how our sales are affected elsewhere in that part of the of Illinois. And, you know, this is also new because it's not urban, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a different kind of community. Um, it, it does... It is a little similar in the same sense that we've historically, starting with the tap room where we're sitting today, gone into a neighborhood that that was was uh, kind of down on its luck. And we did the same thing in Maplewood. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Tom Schlafly say before, the single thing he's most proud of is that there's two zip codes mm-hmm. um, in the St. Louis area, and now three, and hopefully soon four, that are better off than they were before um, because we came and started something here. And, you know, so Main Street St. Charles is was in good shape, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not sure we, we elevated that. It was already elevated. But I think in Highland we have the opportunity to help a, a downtown area that was looking to sort of, uh, rebuild and buff up um, what's going on and bring more people to the area. And that's sure. why we were attractive to those folks. Well, and earlier you mentioned what the tap room here in downtown looked like when it opened 30 years ago or pre- previously. Uh, not not in good shape. No, the, there <laughs> you can see the you can see the sky in some parts of the building. The roof was was in bad shape. They actually filmed Escape from New York uh, in parts of uh, parts of that film were shot wow. inside this building and in the neighborhood as a you know burned out New York City. <laughs> <laughs> and now to watch the growth that has happened not only around the brewery but in downtown and midtown here, what are you looking forward to as the MLS Stadium opens? Which, gosh, you couldn't have picked a better location for a brewery right next to a soccer stadium. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we like to say they picked the soccer stadium right next to a brewery. Exactly. (laughs) They knew what was up. (laughs) Well, what I think we're most looking forward to is welcoming people back to the neighborhood. Um, You can already see the construction going on within a five-mile radius. You can just see the growth happening. There's cranes all over the place and and new construction construction and renovation and both residential and commercial and retail. Um, Yeah, it's very exciting to have people back. And it gives us a chance to do what we do well, which is hospitality. Um, We recently just renovated the second half of the of the second floor, which had been used as office space mm-hmm. for the last 30 years, we renovated it into um, event space matching the other side. So now we have uh, the entire second floor is available for private parties and entertaining, which is what we do. Um, Dan and Tom at the beginning said we want to do two things. We want to make great beer and throw great parties. And, you know, so we continue to think about the ways. Yeah. How can we continue to do that in new ways? You know, some big parties, some small parties, but yeah. What got you into the beer business? Well, I was married to a guy who loved the beer business. (laughs) So that helped. Um, And I have always been fascinated with starting things Mm -hmm. and, you know, starting something new that nobody else had ever done before uh, presented a certain kind of 
challenge and thrill, I think, for me, just to try things. I like to try new things. And um, always was a beer lover. Um, when I, you know, I drank natural light when I was in college because that's what was there. <laughs> that was what was there. That you know? was there. And, I, you know, it was the late 70s. It was natural. I was into natural. Um, but I also started drinking better and better beer. Mm-hmm. I remember when Michelob was my beer I drank when I wanted something better. Mm-hmm. And then I started drinking, you know, Beck's or St. Pauli Girls or a darker beer, you know, Beck's Dark or some of the Mexican beers when I wanted something better. And so I became interested in trying different things. And so I was somewhat more comfortable with beer than wine, but also I like that about wine, but wine was a little more overwhelming and mm-hmm. still is today. I love wine, but I don't know as much about wine as I do about beer. And so I think it was that combination of um, interest in the product, interest in doing something that nobody else was doing, um, and and doing trying something different not going to work at the major corporation like most of my friends were mm-hmm. and you know a little bit less traditional way of doing things and look where it got me and look where it got <laughs> you and you know we i mean the beer industry specifically the craft beer industry has long been male dominated what has that been like to be a, a woman in this business over the last 30 years well you know I've had to shove my way up front a few times and remind them I was there. It is very male dominated. Not, this particular company, Schlafly, is an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly half of, of the senior leadership staff is female. Nice. Um, the One of the very, very earliest first brewers, we called her a Brewster, was Sarah Kohler Hale. She eventually married Stephen Hale, who's a founding brewer as mm-hmm. well. Um, she was in here with her boots on making beer from day one. And so Schlafly has always been diverse in terms of gender, um, but that's extremely unusual. And it's changing more and more. I'm involved in a mentorship program with the Brewers Association. And over the last year, I've worked with about seven or eight all women Um, many of them of color, because we're looking to diversify, not just in terms of gender, but also in terms of every other way you can be inclusive. Um, And, and I, I think it was serendipitous at first. And then I think they started assigning me the startups. Mm. I worked with a lot of people who were getting start either had just started or were about to start. um, And, you know, it is still very male dominated, but how do we continue to change that? I think we have to be open. I think it's the same across most business. I don't think mm-hmm. beer is all that unique. unique. The- Sadly, I mean, I you know, I don't know about journalism and broadcast. I suspect it, there's probably a, a little more equity yeah, in the your industry. Changed, I think a while ago. It's funny now. We look around and sometimes it's like, wow, there's a ton of women although less in management so that's the you uh, know get I think women working their way up to management and it's I think part of what helps is there's a more universal um concern for acceptance of that that balance in life you know I'm of a generation where we thought 
that in order to compete, you had to work, you, you, you had to separate and work like a man. Mm -hmm. And I think now even men know they don't have to work like a man. (laughs) (laughs) That our family life, our personal life, you know, there's a balance that's important there. So I see that starting to shift. What probably made it easier for me is I was in a family run business. Mm -hmm. You know, my partner was my husband that helped a lot. Um, and although outsiders continually treated me like a secretary Mm. and like he was the boss and let me be clear, (laughs) we all knew who the boss was, was. (laughs) (laughs) including him, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and we, we were very equal partners, but even that was unusual at the time. And, uh, but I think it was easier for me because of that than it, if I'd have been trying to move up in a big corporation at sure. that time. So I think we just keep working at it. We keep teaching women and, and, and men, you know, absolutely. how to work together, mm-hmm. how to how to focus, how to talk, how to communicate together. And I, I imagine it helps other women, younger women who want to get in this business to see someone like you leading a brewery like Schlafly. When you were tapped to take over and head up Schlafly into the future at the next 30 years. What was that call like? Uh, it was, it was, it was such a, that too was very serendipitous. I was, was finishing up my time at O'Fallon, um, knowing that, you know, I'd been at O'Fallon now eight years. It had been eight years for the new owners and, O'Fallon, that company was like my third child, you know, and my my two children were both grown and out of the house, and I sort of had this feeling it was time to let go, and but I had no idea what to do. What do you do when your resume says, you know, you've worked in a small business that was your own most of the time for the last 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, where do you go? And um, this just came to me. It just worked out that Schlafly was looking for some leadership at that time and so I got a call from someone here in the company and said we're looking for leadership can I throw your name in the hat and uh, (laughs) I said well sure let's see what happens (laughs) and it was you know when things are meant to happen they're kind of effortless and they the folks who were in charge at the time were looking for someone who had worked in craft for a long time in St. Louis you know and there just aren't that many of us yeah yeah what has been your biggest challenge since taking over SEO? COVID. Yeah, yeah. COVID has been the biggest challenge. Um, the rapid, the need to respond rapidly to understand what's happening, protect the employees first. That that was, and that's a challenging thing when you have both a, a manufacturing company and a hospitality company. Um, and then beginning to understand how the whole thing has affected consumers mm. and their behavior in ways that will never be the same. And then how to react to that and how What's to an understand. Um, I think people and and I don't know how much will stay the same, but people are drinking less. Mm. I think people are drinking, are gathering differently. 
and therefore consuming alcoholic beverages differently. Um, I think people are making choices about where to go when they go out differently and, and understanding what that means and why and, and what they're looking for when they go out. And it's, we're still, it, we're still in a shifting mode. I mm-hmm. don't think it's settled in it. Maybe it never will. Um, understanding the, how to offer hospitality in such stressed out times in such fractured times i think though that covid it's not so much the disease it is the disease which you know worrying about keeping people healthy but the post-covid is understanding how it has so dramatically changed our culture absolutely and just trying to operate looking ahead to the future while focusing on the present and I it's got to be such a challenge one of the things I think COVID taught us and that we would be smart to remember is that we are not in charge (laughs) and we cannot control everything and we need to be no matter how big you are we need to be nimble Mm -hmm. and quick on our feet and paying attention to what's happening out there on the flip side of the biggest challenge, what has been the biggest joy for you? Working with these people. What an amazing family, the Schlafam. Um, the, you know, it's, I came in and um, everyone who was on this, in a senior management position is still here. I didn't have oh. to, I mean, they're a group of smart, talented, passionate, hardworking people um, who appreciate each other and work well together. And my big, I, there are times when I get a little, they don't know it because I don't tell them, but we'll be sitting around this table having just a regular old, one of our regular meetings. And I, I feel a little choked up because of how lucky I am to be working with these people and walking side by side and getting through this together. Um, It's really an amazing, all the way down to the people who, you know, pour your beer at the bar and wash the dishes in the back. And it's really an awesome group of folks. Well, I imagine you need awesome people to make a company last for 30 years, three decades. That's right. That's right. You You know, and it comes from ownership too. The the Schlafly family cares about legacy and and they say that they repeat that over and over again you know it's not like we 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 have to be a profitable company because that's how we fund our growth and our community engagement but you know they're not they're not a group of investors that have a short-term exit strategy in mind you know and so that informs every decision we make and um, th- we are all very lucky, and I think most of us know it, to work for a company where the ownership has that kind of philosophy. And that, I, I honestly think that's why we're still here 30 years later. the Meet St. Louis podcast and KMOE, we want to wish you a happy, happy holiday and a happy new year. This will be our last episode of 2021. It is wild to look back at this past year from the resiliency of our restaurants and small businesses 
to the ones we had to say goodbye to. And of course, the many new places that have opened their doors. There are so many more stories to tell and we can't wait to bring them to you in the new year. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here in 2022.